Welcome back, family. I know you're seeing a lot of me today. It is because um, I just missed you guys so much. I was gone for, for a couple weeks, got married, honeymoon. But also, Pastor Dell is out sick today. His heel is having a really bad stomach issue. And so, on, I, but now I'm back, so it's like good to go. I was going to say something. <laughs> okay, never mind. Yeah. He hit me up and was like, can you please preach today? I'm dying. I'm like, I got you. Don't worry. It worked out perfectly because I'm feeling refreshed, re-energized from that Hawaiian sun and water. My skin was burnt a little bit ago, but I'm feeling pretty good now. Um, so I'm here today, all right? And you're lucky. You're, you're real lucky today because I've got so much wisdom to share in my experience as a married man now. It's, my, man, it's been crazy. I just got, I feel like a new person. I need to write a book or something about the married man's life, okay? Just kidding. I know nothing. I mean, so if you guys can turn with me to John chapter 11. Got my beautiful Bible right here. Look at this big sucker. We're going to go to John chapter 11, all right? I've actually briefly uh, spoke on this a, a couple months back. I realized it on the way here. Um, but I, I sat on it. I feel like, no, I still think, I still think I'm going to speak on this. I, I spoke on this a little bit at the Christmas little recording we did real briefly. But God's been putting it on my heart. And um, we're going to dive into it, all right? So... Before we dive into the passage, let me give you a little bit of context, okay? So this is the story of Lazarus, where Lazarus is the brother of Martha and Mary, and Martha and Mary, they, they send for Jesus. Jesus, our brother is really sick. Lazarus is really sick. You got to come, and I want you to heal. Uh, you got to come heal him because you're the healer, right? And then he waits for a while. He waits like three, four days, longer than he should have in their minds. Like, what are you doing? Come now. But he comes, and by the time he gets there, Lazarus is already dead. Okay, Lazarus is already dead. And what I want to address today is we want to look at Martha and Mary. Today's message is titled Face to Face. Okay, Face to Face. And what we see here is Martha and Mary because they both face Jesus. They both have to face Jesus, but they approach it a little bit differently. Okay, I want to talk about different ways that we come to Jesus before we come to face Jesus. All right. So, as we read, I'm going to, I'm just going to read it through, all right? Here we go. In verse 17 is where we're going to start. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give to you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. 
When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So when the, Jesus, so when the Jews said, see how he loved him, but some, some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? I'm gonna be reading a little bit more, okay? Um, then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you have sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Now I'm gonna skip ahead to chapter 12, verse one. Six days before the Passover, Jesus, therefore, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this beautiful story. Lord, would you speak to us through it, God? Would you reveal who you are, Lord? And would you reveal our hearts, Lord? Do your work. We give this, we give this time unto you, Lord. Speak, for we're listening. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So we just read a long passage about Martha and Mary and two sisters who experienced the same kind of situation, but when Jesus comes, they approach him differently. All right? Now I want you to consider a little bit how they, how, how they approached him, okay? So Martha, how does she come? She, she had a lot to say. Martha came and she said a bunch of stuff. She said, Jesus, you know, you should have come, but, you know, I know this and I know that. And, uh, and then he responds and she responds again. Oh, I know that he's going to be risen on the last day and all that stuff. And then later on when she is at the, at the grave, when Jesus is about to resurrect Lazarus, you see Martha, she says, Jesus, don't, don't do this. Don't roll the stone back because he's already dead. It's going to smell really bad, right? So she has a ton to say. Mary, Mary says something. She only says one sentence the entire time. And she says, Jesus, if you had, where is it? She says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, period. What I want to say is this. Martha 
comes face to face with Jesus with the front. Okay? Martha comes face to face with Jesus with the front. Mary comes face to face with Jesus honestly. Okay? Honestly. If we can capture in one word what's the difference between Martha and Mary in this situation and how they approach Jesus, the word that God gives is honesty. That gives, he gives to me, okay? It doesn't come out in the scripture, right? But I was reading this and like, what's the difference? Mary was so honest with Jesus. Martha comes with the front. She has so much to say. She knows all the answers. She has everything. She, she knows what she's supposed to say. If you, look, let me read it for you again. And just with that kind of mind, with that kind of, with that perspective, that frame, listen to how Mary responds when Jesus talks to her, right? It's like, Jesus came and G- Mary comes, Martha comes out. Martha heard Jesus was coming. She went and met him and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask, I will give you. And Jesus responds, says, your brother will rise again. Martha says, oh, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Don't worry. I already understand what's going to happen. I know what's going on, okay? Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life, whoever believes in me, right? And then, do you believe this, he asked her. And she says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world, okay? She responds in a way that he wasn't even asking. And then later on, when Lazarus is being resurrected, she says, Jesus, don't, don't open the stone because Lazarus is dead and it's going to smell really bad, okay? If you see how Martha's responding to, her, to Jesus, she comes, but she's convinced, I, don't worry, I understand what's going on. I know how I'm supposed to respond. She comes with the front. She comes, with, uh, she comes as Martha, the strong older sister. She comes as Martha, the, the wise follower of Jesus who understands things. She comes as the one, she, I, I'm come as Martha, the one who's in control, the one who's at peace, the one who isn't freaking out, the one who's not being emotional, the one who's not being immature. She's, I, I'm, I'm the one who's the mature one in this situation. I know what's going on. And she comes to Jesus with a front. But Mary... When she comes to Jesus, she falls at his feet. Right away, she, she, she can't hide the fact that how upset, how brokenhearted she is. And she falls at his feet. And she just says exactly how she feels and doesn't add anything else to it. No explanation, no defenses, no, no, no understanding, no, no, oh, but this or but that, don't worry. She just, she just is honest. She says, she falls at his feet, weeping. And if you had been here, my Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not be dead. I'm frustrated. I'm angry at you. I don't understand why this happened. But I'm at your feet. Martha, Mary came honestly. I want to talk today about honesty. You see, because, okay, it's interesting, right? How Martha and Mary came differently. But then this is important because in chapter 12, John is very particular about explaining now Jesus, this is later, this is later, a little bit later, not much later, a few days I think it said, and Mary and Martha, they approach Jesus again. What's Martha doing? She's doing the same old. She's serving. What does Mary do? What does Mary do? Mary comes to the feet of Jesus. She brings perfume. She breaks this jar of perfume and she wipes his feet with her hair. She does something beautiful. She gives an, an intimate, personal act of worship to Jesus. 
Because how you approach Jesus in difficult times, how you come to him, if you come to him with the front, if you come to him acting a certain way, if you come to him trying to think you have all the answers, oh, I process that, I'm good, I'm good to go. If you come to him as putting a front on, a mask on, you're going to end up the exact same as you've always been. But if you come to Jesus honestly, something in you changes. If you come to Jesus honestly, what happens is it leads to true worship. Amen? I want to talk about honesty today. I want to talk about four things about honesty. When we come to Jesus honestly, and this isn't just, this isn't just when you come to Jesus, but in general, in life, God has wired us in a way that when we are honest, when we're real, something in us, it hungers for that, right? Okay? Because what happens, okay, we're going to go. First point is this, honesty. Honesty brings true connection. Honesty brings true connection, okay? What I mean by that is this. This is coming from a professional people pleaser. I'm a pro- I've, I've been known to be one to change my opinion depending on who's around me, okay? And I'm just going to be honest. It's like, it, I, it's embarrassing, but even me and Sarah were just in Hawaii a little bit ago, and we're at a restaurant, and I'm literally complaining to her about one of the dishes. It was at this restaurant, and um, I hope they never see this. You know, it was a certain restaurant, and they had these certain chick fried chicken wings. I'm like, yeah, it's okay. You know, it's, it's good. I wanted to eat this, but they don't have, ugh, freak, okay, well, okay, I guess I'll just eat these. And they had like this, they had uh, dumplings, and that were in like this fried cheese on top. It was like cheese fried dumplings, and the, the, the waitress was talking it up. I was like, okay, we'll try that. I got them. Like, it just tastes like Costco mandu. It just tastes like Costco dumplings with like, to, like some crispy cheese on the top that doesn't even taste that good. And then like literally as I'm talking, the waitress comes, how is it? I'm like, it's so good. I'm having such a great time. I love this meal. I, I mean, she was just like, Sarah just looking at me like, you're a liar. I was like, I, I just couldn't help it. I don't know. I felt bad. Okay. See, I want to talk about moments when we're not honest. Okay. So honestly brings true connection. That's a silly story. But in that moment, I was being dishonest. It's not a big deal. It's not a huge thing. But I changed my opinion. I changed, I changed how I felt depending, because I was concerned with how they were going to perceive me, right? Like, I think about this. I watched this interaction happen. We're watching, it was a basketball game was on at an event at my old church, and we're watching a TV in the room, hanging out. And some people were watching, and it was the Lakers versus, like, the Bucks or something like that. This is a couple years back. And one of them was like, oh, are you a Lakers fan? To another guy. I'm just sitting there observing this. Are you a Lakers fan? They're like, uh, oh, no, no. They said, do you like the Lakers? He's like, uh, I like, I like Kobe. I like Kobe, right? Because everybody likes Kobe, right? Especially now you have to. It's like, politi- it's like insensitive not to. But um, I do love Kobe. And I remember just watching the other guys like, oh, it's cool. It's cool. And they start talking about the Lakers. And then after a while though, one of them's like, yeah, I'm actually from the Bay. It's like, oh, you're from the Bay, but you're a Lakers fan? It's like, he got caught. You know, it's like, oh, actually, you know, I mean, I like Kobe, but I'm actually a Warriors fan. He's like, me too. I'm a Warriors fan. And he's like, oh, oh my gosh, me too. And they started talking it up. And I'm just laughing because I'm sitting over here. I'm a huge Warriors fan. Um, I do need to repent. This is random. But a couple months ago when I was preaching, I used an example about loving the Lakers. And I haven't given the Warriors enough love on this stage. So go Warriors, okay? And um, they were talking about the Warriors, and they started connecting. But it's so funny, because what happened there was they were having this awkward, show, shallow interaction, both pretending to be something that they're not. Because what happens is there's this momentary, shallow feeling of connection. Oh, because it's true. When you have a similar like, 
you know, something that you're interested in, there's a level of connection. And even if you're kind of faking it, it's still kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, it's, they feel happy, so I feel kind of close to them. But there's a wall there. There's a shallowness there. See, because what happens is, as a, as a professional people pleaser, is because I feel like as long as they're happy, I feel connected to them. But what I'm doing is I'm, I'm putting a front on. So really, they might feel like they're connecting with me, but there's always going to be this lingering sense of like, yeah, we're cool, but I don't know. It's just not the same. But when, I'm, when I can be really myself, it, what I need for, is for them to be able to connect with me of who I really am, right? Of who I really am. See, I don't want to use this moment as an ex, as a excuse for some people to be like, yeah, so just always got to tell it like it is because I want to talk a little bit about authenticity, right? Authenticity, a lot of times, people use the word authenticity as an excuse to be kind of a jerk, right? Like, oh, I'm not, I'm not rude, I'm just authentic. It's like, no, you're just a jerk, okay? For example, like, hey, do you like the Lakers? No, I hate the Lakers, and everyone who likes the Lakers is stupid, you know? It's like, okay, you know, they were being authentic, I guess, but they're also being a jerk, right? What the opposite end is, is, do you like the Lakers? Yes, right? See, both of those are kind of going to lead to a level of disconnection, right? One is going to be straight out, okay, I guess we're enemies, I guess you hate me, and the other is going to be, too aggressive is going to lead to that, and too, too soft is going to lead to you just being fake, and after a while, they're going to be like, I feel like you don't actually, you know, we're, we're, I thought we were connecting, but something seems off. See, what we need in authenticity is also flexibility, okay? In flexibility, what does flexibility look like? It's like, Oh, actually, I'm not a big fan of the Lakers, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're cool. What do you like about them? I, it's not me, but I would love to know what you like about them. It's a level of flexibility, right? Because I think people who, and, and what will happen there is allows you to show up authentically. You can be honest and be yourself and still lead to some connection. I want to know who you are. I don't want to just connect with you because, because we, you know, I'm pretending to be something I'm not. But it's funny because it sounds silly when it talks about sports and whatnot. It's always true. But this happens all the time in church. We always say what we think we're supposed to say. We always act how we think we're supposed to act. But what happens is that you come and you leave and you feel like there's a shallow level of connection. You leave because you're like, man, I don't know. It's just not working for me anymore. It's like maybe because you keep going through the motions, you keep putting a front on. But at the end of the day, what, if you want deep connection, if you want true connection, if you want a real experience, right, you've got to show up honestly. That doesn't mean be a jerk about it. It doesn't mean you've got to, like, push, throw, shove it down people's throats. But in a community, especially at Collide City Church, we want to be a community where we can do that, where we can understand, hey, you're allowed to be you. And if it's different from me, I actually enjoy that. Hey, you're different from me. That's awesome. I would love to learn about it. Right? I've been to too many churches where somebody shows up and they think differently or act differently or dress differently or look differently and everyone gets uncomfortable. Right? And they don't say anything. Nothing bad happens, but little by little that person gets the, gets the idea. I'm not welcome here. Right? I'm not welcome here. But Clyde Church, we want to be a place where we can show up authentically and embrace that. Amen? Honesty brings true connection. Okay. Next point is this. Honesty brings true Freedom. I'm going to sit on this one for a little bit. Honesty brings true freedom, all right? First, what I mean by that is I don't mean that if you're honest about something, suddenly you're, it's going to fix it. You're going to fix it, right? 
I don't know how many times I've been to, I, I've been in youth ministry for a long time, 10 years. I've spoken at like at least 100 youth retreats. And whenever they have like a time of confession, you know, just let's be honest. I've seen kids go up a billion times and confess things and say, I'm addicted to pornography and no, but I'm going to change now and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, next year it's going to be the exact same story. Okay. But what I'm talking about is honesty is the first step to true freedom. Okay. Honesty is the first step to true freedom. I need to address this. Okay. Because it's really important. Repentance, repentance is not a commitment to change. Repentance is not saying, Jesus, I'm so sorry, I'm going to try better next time. Jesus, I'm so sorry, I didn't, I don't, I'm always angry at my mom, I'm going to be nicer to her. Jesus, I'm so sorry, I, I, I stole money from that person, I'm not going to do it again. That's not necessarily what repentance is, okay? Repentance is not a commitment or making a promise that you're going to do better. Because I, I get, I hear that preached a lot in interesting ways. You know, in, it's you know the word is what metanoia, I think, and right, is that metanoia? It's like the idea of turning away, going against. It's true. Eventually, I believe repentance will lead to transformation, but it's not a personal commitment to change your behavior. Okay, repentance is first and foremost. It is a recognition that you need grace. It's it's. Repentance is coming to the throne of grace. Repentance is recognizing I cannot change on my own. Repentance is not I will try harder. Repentance is I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. Right? Because transformation, transformation, I'm going to repeat this a thousand times. You guys have heard this every single sermon. Transformation does not happen through just changing your behaviors. Transformation happens through relationship. What you need is to be near God. What you need is to be in relationship with Jesus. What you need is to feel his love. What you need is to feel his acceptance, is to let him love you. That's what's going to change you. It's not your changing your behavior. I, and I have to hit that again and again because churches all the time, they get so caught up on you have to change your behavior, but they miss what God is trying to do, right? Let me break something down really quick for some people because I want to talk a little bit about coping, all right? I'm not, when I talk about being honest, I'm not just saying uh, honest about your bad behaviors, okay? I want to take a, because there is a level that we need to do that. We need to be honest. Hey, I lied. I lied to my wife about this. Hey, uh, that's honesty. Hey, I smoked, um, I smoked some illegal drug. I don't know. Like, I took some, I took some acid, okay? Okay, you're honest about that. Great, great, great. But we have to go a, le- a level deeper. Not just honesty about behavior, but honesty about why, Okay? Because a lot of times, bad behavior is rooted in a deeper issue. I, wanna, I want everybody to consider this for a second. What do you do when you feel sad or mad or alone, when you feel lonely, when you feel insignificant? What are those negative feelings that you experience? See, I read this book once, and it was talking about, like, it was talking about the idea of like, pornography and masturbation, right? And it was saying... Before you start trying to commit to stop doing this, I want you to think about something. What is going on right before it happens? Just every time you do it, just stop and think. What, was, what were you feeling about 30 minutes to an hour before you fell into that sin? Because most likely, it's not that you have a pornography and masturbation issue. It's probably that you have a loneliness issue. 
It's probably that you have a, a significance issue. You feel like you're, you're worth nothing. You hate yourself, right? And it's these negative feelings that when you feel that stuff, I don't want to feel this way. I want to feel good. So what happens is little, it doesn't happen that clearly, right? Because you don't just say, I don't feel good. I want to go do bad things, right? But our body will naturally go do that stuff. See, we need to learn how to be honest, not just about the behaviors, the, me- the things that we do when we feel bad or sad. We have to learn how to be honest. What's going on right before that? Because that's an issue of the heart. That's an issue of the heart. And if we can start being honest about issues of the heart, then I am guarantee you, I believe we will see transformation in people's lives. Amen? I just want to give you an example. Like, for example, like I, I've, struggled so, I've struggled with depression and loneliness a lot of my life. And what happens when I start feeling, I mean, I have so many issues. I could go, make a long list. But like, if I feel insignificant, I feel like I'm a piece of crap. Anybody close to me knows this. I constantly struggle with self-condemnation and beating myself up. And like, I, I hate, my, I'm bad. I'm, I'm not good at this. I'm a bad person, whatever. And I've worked on it for years and years, but it still happens. But 15 years ago, when I was in high school, right? Damn, that's a long time. 15 years ago, when I was in high school, what did I do? I would feel like a piece of crap. And I always have the same thing. I isolate myself first. And then when I isolate myself, I start feeling lonely. And then if, when I start feeling isolated and lonely is when I start doing stuff like, I used to have a strong addiction to, to pornography when I was in high school, right? But now I'm older, I'm a, I'm a much better Christian now. So now when I isolate myself, I do things that are more socially acceptable, like I watch a ton of TV or I eat a ton of food, right? See, the behaviors have changed but the heart issue is still there. I still deal with deep loneliness and, and, and self-hatred. I still feel like I need to earn stuff. And, but the, the coping mechanisms have changed. They've become better. They've become less, more socially acceptable. I don't have to repent for watching TV as much anymore because you're like, oh, it's okay. Sometimes you got to do that a little bit, right? But the heart issues, if I can start being honest about what's going on in my heart, if I can start being honest about what I'm really feeling, then I can come to the throne of grace and let God, let God minister to me in that place, amen? That leads us right to the next point where honesty brings true satisfaction. Now, when I use the word satisfaction, I also wanna give it like a parenthesis, right? Satisfaction, but also slash healing, okay? Slash healing. I feel like we use the word satisfaction in a way where it feels like selfish, like, oh, I want something, so I get it, so I feel good. Like, satisfaction can feel very, like, a sinful word, but really, satisfaction is, there are things that, if we satisfy them, can be negative, but deep down, God's desire is to satisfy our deepest, truest needs. I want to address something. You can have shallow needs, you can have shallow desires, and you can have deep desires, Okay? Satisfying every shallow desire is probably not the best thing. What I mean by shallow desire is this. I really want a piece of fried chicken right now, okay? It's a desire. It's a need, okay? I really want to punch this person in the face, okay? That's, that's a desire too, all these things. But when, when the Bible talks about God wants to d- give you the desires of your heart, he's not talking about the shallow things. He's talking about the deep things. I want to feel like I matter, I want to feel like I'm a good man, right? I want to feel like, like I'm loved. I want to feel like I belong somewhere. You see, but until we can learn to be honest about those deep things, about the deep needs, we will never find satisfaction. We'll never allow God to meet them because you cannot receive what you are unwilling to admit. 
You cannot receive what you're unwilling to admit, right? See, what we got to practice, and this is what happens in community, right? We have to, we have to, I want to repeat this again and again and again, because I see it happen even now in myself. I still see myself doing it, right? I have to, I have to have the strength of heart to be able to look past bad behavior, to not get upset. Whoa, 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 you got to change. You got to stop doing that because that's not good. That's bad. That's unchristian. God doesn't like that. That doesn't belong here. Hey, I can, I can be okay with your bad behavior because I want to help you get to, to your deeper desires. I want get to get to the deeper needs because I think God wants to satisfy a need that you have deep in your heart that's causing you to do all these, these stupid things. I know that you're going to keep falling into, maybe you're going to keep going back to drugs. Maybe you're going to keep going back to girls. Maybe you're going to keep going back to sleeping around with guys, right? You're going to keep doing these things. But you know what? I'm not going to be caught up in trying to fix those bad behaviors. Because God, his plan, his goal for the world is not to, to heal the world of all bad habits. Okay? The plan of God is to heal the brokenhearted. And we have to be a church that is not a place where you come and all your bad habits get fixed. Right? We'll whip it into you. We got to be a place where you come and we can see past whatever mess or rough edges are on the outside because we want to get to what God cares about. It's the broken heart. Amen? And if we can get to what's really down there, if you can learn to be honest. First, I mean, it's not that easy. Sometimes we got to dig down. We don't even know. Sometimes we don't even know why because we spend so much time just concerned with the outward stuff, the actions, the behaviors, that we don't even spend the time to stop and think, why do I do that? It took me so long to, re- it took me 26, seven years to realize that I have like an addiction issue to whatever it is because I am lonely, because I feel insignificant. It took me so long and until I could, God, it's, I feel insignificant. I feel like a piece of crap. It wasn't until I could, I feel like I'm bad. It wasn't until I could be honest about those things that I could hear the words, the voice of God and it could speak so deeply you are good, son. You are good. You are loved. It's funny because you can hear the good, you can hear the right thing a thousand times, but if your heart is in a place of honesty, you'll never be able to receive it. Amen? And last is this. I'm going to close with this. Honesty brings true worship. I know I already hit on that in the very beginning, but honesty brings true worship. When we look at Mary, because she experienced in her honesty before Jesus, when she came face to face with Jesus, and she was honest, she didn't have a front, she didn't put on a mask, she didn't say the things she's supposed to say, she didn't try to be whatever she thinks she's supposed to be, she was just honest with God. Right? I believe in that place she's experiencing true connection. And you can see that because Jesus says, I was deep, he was deeply moved in his heart. He saw her honesty, he saw her weeping, and he, his heart was moved and he wept because she was honest, right? She experienced deep connection. And then she began to experience true, true freedom. She's on, the, she's on the journey of experiencing true freedom, right? Where you see her, see her worshiping wholehearted later on. And you see her experience true satisfaction because when she, when Lazarus was resurrected, her heart received that miracle in a way that Martha couldn't. Because Martha, because Mary and Martha, I'm sure they were both happy about it, but a couple days later, who's the one worshiping wholeheartedly? It's the one who was honest in the moment. So, so Mary experienced tr- deep satisfaction 
And from that place, she's able to, to give deep, true, heartfelt worship. Amen? True worship. So I want to talk about two different things here. First, on one side is this, is the idea that the works of God, the amazing things God is doing, will impact you a hundred times more deeply if you can be honest in the moment, right? If you're feeling, if you're feeling like you're struggling financially, and, but you always say, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, and then God provides a financial miracle, you'll be like, okay, look, yeah, see, I am good. But someone who comes and falls on their knees and, God, I can't make it. I don't know what to do. I'm broke and I'm scared. Then when God brings the, the gift, how much more deeply does it hit their heart, right? But the second is this, because what happens in the moment sometimes, it doesn't always happen that simply. It doesn't happen always that easily. I want to talk about intentional worship, okay? Intentional worship. Now, in order to talk about intentionality, I need to talk about two other things. It's about being natural. And what's the opposite of being natural? Unnatural. Okay. Well, the word I was thinking of was fake. Unnatural makes much more sense, but, but same thing, right? Fake. So, when we talk about natural, when I talk about natural worship, what does that look like? Natural love. That means when someone walks, when, when, when Sarah walks, in, or when Chiwan walks into the room, I just see him and my heart just jumps. Like, ah, oh, Chiwan's here, my boy's here, my homie, he's, he, he's been with me, he got me this beautiful Bible, that's the only reason I like him. And, and I'm just kidding. And, <laughs> and it's just so easy to love him. But the opposite of that is, where Chiwan walks in, right? And it's like, oh God, he came again. Oh my gosh, please just don't make eye contact with him. Don't make eye contact with him. You know, and I'm talking to Sarah, I'm talking to my fiance, trying to like avoid Chiwan. And then Chiwan starts walking toward me and Sarah's like, oh my gosh, Chiwan's coming toward you. Like, oh my gosh, please don't let him say hi to me. Don't let him say hi to me. And he taps my shoulder. I'm like, hi, oh my gosh, it's so good to see you. It's fake, it's fake. See, but a lot of times Christians think not just Christians, people think there's only two options, either to be fake or to be natural. And so they make a commitment. I never want to be fake. Who here wants to be fake? Everyone hates fake, right? But so they make a commitment. I'm, never, I'm only going to do things if I feel it naturally. If it's just easy, if it just flows out of me, right? But there is a third option. The third option is being intentional. It means Oh my gosh, that guy, he's kind of hard to love. He's kind of hard to love. He's from Australia. He talks funny. I don't know. It's just weird, right? He likes, uh, what's that disgusting stuff you put on your bread? Vegemite. Like, oh my, why? You know, I'm just kidding. But, you know, but I believe that he's worth loving because in the eyes of God, he's a, ch he's a child of God, right? So I'm going to try. Hey, Jiwon, what's up? No, no, I don't want any Vegemite. No, please stop. Leave me alone, right? right? But I'm trying. It's hard, but I'm trying. Can I t do you feel like in those moments, what is more real? What's more true? I have a different story. I have a different example. I, I was at this uh, little conference once, and I heard this, this guy. He's from Chicago, and he does work in the inner city, like in Southside Chicago. And he was sharing a story. Someone asked him about, uh, someone asked him about his wife, and his wife was there. And he was like, how did you meet your wife? It's like, it's a crazy story, actually. And I don't know why he shared this, but he shared this 
full story of when he, him and his wife, they were both like intense crackheads. They were like really gone, like all the way, living in crack houses, that kind of stuff. And he went to some Bible study at a food shelter, at a food, is that what they call it? Yeah, food kitchen and um, soup kitchen. And he went to a Bible study, had this crazy encounter with Jesus, and was like on the floor weeping, experienced the love of God, gave his life, and you know, just instantly like, I'm, I'm, I'm gone from everything. No more, that's, life has passed me. But his wife is still in it, okay? So he's trying his best to like love his wife and all that stuff, and one day he got really fed up because his wife was still running around doing, being crazy. She's like, you're nuts. Like, what's wrong with you? You're a Jesus freak now. And then they spent some time apart, but he couldn't give up on her. And one day he did this. He, he invited her over, brought her to his house, and he, he changed, he fixed the locks on one of his doors, but the lock from the outside, okay? I'm not recommending any of this to anybody, but it's probably illegal. He basically put her into a room, locked the door, and is forcing her to rehab, okay? And she, at first, she's cussing at him, I'm effing, hey, you, da da da, da all this stuff. And she takes it, like, she, she craps on the floor. She's like, I'm, you know, I'm gonna, da, 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 all this stuff. And then, and, she, and he's like, it's okay, just gotta wait it out. Just gotta, I love her, I love her, I love my wife, I love my wife, this is my wife. And then she's like, and then she gets real quiet, I'm so, honey, I'm sorry, like, I just really need to use the bathroom, please don't make me, you know, it's like, okay, okay, okay. And as soon as he kind of cracks open the door, she has a superhuman strength, and she just pushes this big guy through the, through the door, and she runs, and she's like wearing like nothing. And so he's saying, he was, she was wearing like her uh, pajamas, right? And she runs outside into the street. He chases her down, has to grab her, tries to tackle her. She bites him really hard. He's bleeding. He grabs her by the hair and has to drag her back into the house. And then she like, she bites his leg, and she, so he holds her down like this. And she's like snarling and, and, and spits into his face and like trying to spit at him and she spits and the spit, spit falls back on her face. And so she's just like, and he's looking at this woman in his mind. He's like, can you just imagine what she looked like? like? And he said, in that moment, I just knew I had to decide, is this still my wife or not? Is this the woman I love or not? And he said, I just pinning down this wild animal. He says, this is my wife, and I love her. This is my wife, and I love her. This is my wife, and I love her. And he says, I made a commitment. I will never leave this woman. And he says, in that moment, I knew I loved this woman, right? And I just thought, I think about that, and I just ask you, like, would anyone here feel like that wasn't true love? Would anyone say that that love is not stronger, of made of more stronger metal than a love that's just naturally, than just a junior high, oh, I just really like her, and just my heart flutters when I see her. There's something beautiful and powerful about intentional love. And what happens when we can be honest, but we can't experience intentional love unless first we are willing to be honest about how we feel. I don't feel the lovey-doveys. I don't feel super close to God. I don't feel that happy. I don't feel super excited. I don't feel tired. I don't feel full of worship. I don't feel all these things. I don't, I'm actually upset. I'm actually discouraged. I'm actually angry. I'm actually frustrated. I'm actually really tired. But from that place of honesty, you can give intentional worship. You can give an offering to God that actually costs you something. Honesty brings you into a place where you can offer God something that hurts, right? True 
worship. Amen? I'm going to close with just this one last image. It's about coming face to face with God. Now, everybody knows, not everybody, but people who are Bible nerds know, like, you know, there's the Aaron's priestly prayer back in, um, in, in um, shoot, what is it, Deuteronomy? I don't know, Exodus? Numbers, numbers, of course, duh, <laughs> testing you. And where it talks about uh, bless you, keep you, uh, and, but it ends with this, and may his face shine upon you. I just love that image of his face shining upon us. Now, in the word, in Hebrew, the word face, right? I don't exactly know how to pronounce it, but it's spelled P-A-N-I-M in English when you Romanize it. Panim, right? How do you pronounce it, Juan? He doesn't know either. Yeah, I knew he didn't. <laughs> You're not that great. Just kidding. Sorry. Um, panim, right? Face. It also means presence. Also means presence. Because there's something about being face to face with somebody where you can experience their presence. Now, I feel like a lot of us, we've never really, the, the, sometimes we struggle to experience the presence of God. Not because He's not there, because we've come with coverings on our faces. We come with coverings on our faces. Yeah, thank you. I want to share one last story. And it's one time I was called into uh, a police station and um, for this boy who was like, you know, I was his pastor and he, he was always getting into trouble and I went down to the police station and um, they called the mom too and the mom was there and his mom comes in and at first I know this boy, I just know he's a troublemaker. I didn't know who his mom was, but right when his mom walked in, I recognized her because she's the type of mom that I see at church every morning for morning prayer because I was oppressed and forced to go to morning prayer all the time and I would and I and I would go early morning and I'd see her there almost every day and I would see her praying and crying and sometimes I would hear her prayers and she'd be praying for her kids and she I find out later she's a single mom she works like three jobs she has two three kids and she she struggles but she loves her kids so much and she walks in and she walks in wearing a uniform of 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 her last job that she came straight from and she comes and she sees the son and the son just rolls his eyes when his mom walks in and at first first thing she does is like yell at him like what did you do why did you why are you and she starts throwing a fit and like oh and officer i'm so sorry all this stuff don't worry all these things and then she just the boy's just sitting there like this right really pissed and she's yelling and yelling and then she kind of stops and she looks at her son and she, he's not looking at her. He's he just like this. And she's just right here looking at him. I love you so much. And he's just sitting there and just, just, I just need you to know this. I love you. I love you no matter what. And the boy's just, you know, ignoring her. And she's just like, hey, son, just look at me. Just, can you just look at me? Just look at me for a second. And he just like doesn't want to look. She's like, I just, I love you. I love you. I love you. And she grabs his legs and trying to pull him toward her. And he's just like, oh, don't, I, leave me alone. I don't want to be here. I, like, I don't care what you think. I don't care what you feel. I know, I know. But just, just look at me in the face just once and let me tell you I love you. And finally, she grabs his face and points it at her. And she's like, son, 
I love you. And there's nothing you could ever do to make me stop loving you. And the moment his son, her son made eye contact with his mom, you could see something, something hit. Something hit. And she was saying, I love you. And she starts smiling and he just starts crying. And he starts crying and starts saying, I'm sorry, mom. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I just witnessed something so powerful about the power of being face to face, about the power of true presence. Because in that moment, he, he, heard, he heard his mom saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. He knows he loves her. But there's something about when he saw her face to face, he could experience her presence. And I just think about how God looks at us with that loving gaze. My son, my daughter, I love you more than you could ever know. I love you more than you ever realized or you could even experience. I love you. But why do we not feel that? Why don't we, why aren't we transformed by that love of God? It's not that he's not looking at us. It's that we hide our faces. Because we were discouraged, we're ashamed, because we've had pastors or leaders tell us like God's mad at you, God hates you because he's, he's angry because you keep doing this sin because you keep falling this sin, God's so irritated with you. And you're like, well, if he's irritated with me, I don't want to see him. But I'm telling you, God is looking at you just like that loving mother. And that love is pouring out on you. And he invites us just into one simple thing. Look at me. Face to face. I want you to feel my presence. You don't have to hide anything. You don't have to put on any fronts. You don't have to act any, you don't have to get your crap together. You don't have to do anything. Just be honest with me. Just be honest with me. And little by little, your life will change forever. Can we close our eyes together? We're just gonna take a moment Because the work of God doesn't happen while I'm preaching. The work of God happens when you come into his presence. You might learn something nice. You might hear a good story while I'm preaching, all that stuff. But hearts don't change because of good preaching. Hearts change because of the love of God. I'm telling you, the answer to all of life's problems, it's so simple. It's love. I don't know if it's because I came back from Hawaii it's, or, or I got some, uh, you know, hippie or some... Uh, reggae type of, type of vibe in me, but it's so simple. It's love. But sometimes it is the most difficult, complicated, messy thing to just come, to just show up, to just show your face, to just get on your knees, to just be honest with God. So right where you are, just stop for a second and just show up with God. You don't have to say anything. Honesty isn't just about what you say. 
Because Martha and Mary, they said some of the same stuff. Martha started off the exact same way Mary did. Martha said, Lord, if you had been here, you know, everything would be fine. But, her, but Mary's heart was different. She was broken. She was raw. Martha felt like she had to be strong. But Mary was just honest. I'm just here to tell you, when it comes to the presence of God, you don't have to be strong. You don't have to be strong. Just be honest. Just be honest with God. You don't have to say anything, but just, just show up. And just in the screen of your mind, just picture him. Just picture him there looking at you. He already knows. He already knows everything. He already knows all, this, all the things you struggle with. He already knows what's going on. But he just wants you to look at him. He, wants you to, he just wants you to be real. And he wants you to let him love you. Can you receive that love right now? Receive that love right now. God, I'm here. I don't feel like I deserve it. I feel ugly. I feel messy. I feel, I feel dirty. I feel like a failure. But I'm here. I'm coming to the throne of grace. Thank you, Jesus. Can you come into his presence right now? Don't hide your face. Come into his presence. See him face to face. And the last thing we're going to do is I want you right now to commit in your heart. We're going to do some true repentance, all right? I don't want you to commit to stopping whatever the thing is that you've been trying to work on, you know? I'm going to try to pray more. I'm going to try to read the Bible more. I'm going to stop yelling at my, my, my kids. I'm going to stop, you know, getting angry at my coworker. I'm going to stop stealing money from this place. I don't know, whatever it is. I'm going to stop going to these, to the, into these bad habits that I have. Just stop. Just lay all that down. All, all the trying, all the promising, all the committing to fix yourself. Just, just let it go. Can you just commit to one thing? God, I promise, I, not I promise, but Lord, I just want to commit to showing up. I want to commit to not faking it. I want to commit to being honest. I want to commit to not hiding myself. I want to commit to even when I feel stupid for coming back for the same problems again and again, God, I can't commit to fixing myself, but I can commit to keep coming back. God, I don't want to hide it. I don't want to fake it. But I want to show up. When I'm pissed, I'm going to tell you I'm pissed. When I'm sad, I want to tell you I'm sad. When I'm lonely, when I feel like a failure, I don't want to hide. I want to show up with you. Because that's when I need you most. Thank you, Lord. Father, 
Lord, we thank you that you are in the business of mending the brokenhearted. We thank you that you are in the business of setting the captives free, Lord. Thank you that you aren't a God that is like a police officer making sure we don't, you know, litter or drive too fast. God, you're in the business of healing the human heart. Thank you that you are not intimidated or grossed out or annoyed or frustrated, God. Thank you, God, that there is nothing, God, that can make you frown when it comes to looking at us. God, that you are not moved by our mistakes. You are not moved by our failures. You're not, it doesn't bother you, God. Thank you that we can come into your presence and know that your love is a fountain, God, that never runs dry. That your patience, God, runs as deep as the ocean. That when we look at you, that there's one thing that we can always trust, that your eyes will always be full of love and your face will shine like the sun with joy and adoration for us. Thank you, Lord. So Father, may we be a people that come to you. May we be a people, God, not that we fix ourselves, but that we know that we need you. God, I just want to pray right now for any, God, I want to pray for all the people who are struggling with addiction. I want to pray for people who are struggling with that, that thing that they just can't stop doing. And even though they hate themselves, they know it's wrong. They know it's wrong. They've been told a million times. They tell themselves all the time. They hate themselves for it. But they just keep coming back to it, Father. I just want to pray for that person, God. Whether it's as small as, as getting angry, as, as, you know, that seems so insignificant, God. Whatever that thing is, the thing that we struggle with, or, is it's, or it's like what people get freaked out about, like, I don't know, drug addiction or sex addiction, God, whatever it is. God, I pray that right now that you would give them the grace. You would give them the courage to see what's behind that. Would you begin to reveal what's really going on? We're not talking about bad behaviors right now, God. God, we're talking about the the broken heart, the issues of the heart. Would you reveal that? Would you reveal, would you expose the true hunger of the heart, Father? The starving hearts, God. The broken hearts, God. The ones that are crying out for you, God. Would you reveal, what does that voice say? The broken hearts, God. The ones that have been silenced. The ones that have been crying out, I'm lonely. I'm empty. I'm broken. I don't belong anywhere. I'm worthless. I'm, I'm, I'm a piece of crap. I'm, whatever that is, whatever. Would you, would you hear those hearts, God? And God, so many of us, we're, we don't even know how to hear it. We don't, we're blind. We're deaf to our own, our own hearts, God. Would you begin to give us, God, the courage to listen to our own, own hearts? Yeah, I struggle with porn. Yeah, I struggle with, with alcohol. But why? What's going on? What's my heart hungry for? Give us the courage to ask that and to listen. And as people are beginning to be honest, truly honest, God, I just pray that you would pour out your blessing and your grace upon them, Lord. 
that you would pour out, you would satisfy the hungry hearts, God. You would refresh every dry and desert heart, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, God. Bring freedom, God. Bring true joy. Bring true satisfaction, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, family. It's been so good. Um, please, if God's touching your heart, if, if you're working through some stuff, if you feel like there's something there, don't, do not hesitate. There is nothing you can say or do that's going to freak any of our pastoral team out. We just want to be there with you. We want you to practice being honest. We want to we begin to be a place where you can be your true self. You can experience the true grace of God. So email us if, or DM us. Message us on Instagram. Message us on Facebook. Whatever it is. Whatever means necessary. If you got a number, text us. Give us a call. We want to talk to you. We want to be with you. We want to pastor you. So email us. At, my email is andrew at thecollide.com or you got Pastor Dell. You can find it on the website. And we want, to, we want to pray with you. We want to be with you. Amen. And we've got a bunch of stuff coming up. I can't remember anything, but I love you guys, and I just want you guys to come be a part of our family. Our family's been growing. We've been getting deeper together. God's doing something really beautiful. Come be a part, all right? So join us. We love you. Keep tuning in. Have a great week. God bless you all in the name of Jesus. Have a great week, family. See you next week.